0: Welcome back, everybody, to Drive Into the Basket, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I am Mike, your host, here today with my guest, Jack Kelly of Detroit Bad Boys. Jack, always a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thanks for having me on, Mike. Always um, love jumping on, talk Pistons hoops with yourself, so keen to get into it. We've got some uh, news
0: to discuss. Absolutely, we do. Uh, But first of all, why don't you tell us about a new little project you're doing with the Pistons this season?
1: Sure thing, man. Um, So basically, myself and three other folks on Pistons Twitter. Uh, We've joined up with a startup company called Watch Playback and we've essentially, we'll be live streaming Pistons games this season, uh, one to two games a week where essentially um, anyone, as long as you have a cable subscription or a league pass um, subscription, you can jump on, watch the games live with us, chat in the chat, and we can also bring you up to chat uh, via like face-to-face and it's just a really cool new sort of it's sort of like um twitch gaming that sort of interface um so yeah man thanks for letting me plug it on here and um yeah you can find more details on my twitter bio um it'll take you to our page with all the information to sign up and that sort of thing
0: absolutely yeah i'm looking forward to it all right so uh subject to the episode today is the news to which jack was referring of course uh, you know this happened last week but pistons made a trade uh, sent out kelly Owinnick and Sabin we to the Utah Jazz in exchange for Boyan Bogdanovich, not to be confused with Bogdan Bogdanovich, who comes off the bench for the Atlanta Hawks. So for the Pistons, get rid of Olenek, uh, barely are dumping a salary for next season, which was only guaranteed for $3 million, uh, but it's still $3 million off the books if the Pistons had chosen not to take him. Saban Lee was just kind of a throw-in. Uh, as far as I know, that was just to make salaries work on the Pistons' side. And Boyan is on the final year of his deal, and we're going to talk about what he brings to the pistons, what he doesn't bring to the pistons. Also, farewell Kelly. Did not see too much of you, but you seem like a good dude and we'll <laughs> always have that shot that you made against the Hornets. All right, so Jack, how do you feel about this trade? I was uh first of all, I
1: I like the trade. I think it it initially my first thought were now the roster starts to make a little bit more sense, which is something in Troy Weaver's tenure I've The roster's constantly, it's still not perfect, obviously, but it's constantly just felt like we've had too many bigs or not enough wings or it's just felt constantly a bit unbalanced. My first thing was just the composition of the roster finally feels a bit more even. And obviously, Boyan, I've sort of always kept a close eye on him and his game. I've always really sort of enjoyed watching him play, just his shooting, and he's got a sort of an element of smoothness on offense that I've always just sort of caught my eye. So, I uh, i mean, for the first time in most of Troy Weaver's trades have been quite aggressive in what he's willing to give up and whether that's trading first round picks, future picks that are heavily protected. It's always felt like with most of his deals, he's been quite aggressive. Whereas this one just felt like a real, it was quite bemusing from the Jazz's end. And I still think people are still trying to figure out what the Jazz sort of gained out of this move. But on a Pistons front, yeah, I was really pleased with the return and I think Boyan helps
0: this team in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was pleased with the trade too, definitely. It absolutely, I mean, to both of us, I'm sure it came as a surprise, uh, like a big surprise. I had thought that the Jazz could probably catch like a late first round pick for Boyan, who's become more limited in his uh, in his old age, so to speak. Uh, like he's, he's 33 and was not the most athletic player in the first place, so he slowed down a bit. But I still, this was surprising. I mean, I'd say really the only plus from the Jazz side that I can perceive is that it gets them below the tax, like significantly below the tax. They dump salary for a team that is on course to probably rival the Thunder as the worst team in the league next season. And who knows? I mean, the Jazz are going to be terrible. They have gotten rid of everybody. Like their center rotation is now like a Linick and a Walker Kessler and yeah. uh and, and yeah i, I don't
1: remember the I think they brought name, in uh but... cody zeller <laughs> oh
0: did they man yeah like a drop cody off.
1: zeller and then um yeah it's a they're gonna be ba- it's a pretty barren roster um
0: yeah
1: colin sexton the right gonna, yeah well that's it i mean colin sexton's gonna probably put up 30 shots a night it'll be him and marking and leading the charge but yeah they're gonna be a certainly won't be a league past 10
0: Oh, absolutely not. And I mean it's it's the right move. Absolutely. If you wanted to get rid of Gobert, you wanted to rebuild, you send out Mitchell for what was a pretty darn good return, I think. And then you're awful ahead of what appears to be a very strong draft. So I like what the Jazz are doing. Go all in one way or the other. Don't hang out in the middle like the Pistons or you know, or the Wizards or the Kings or whoever else at the NBA with the Pistons in the past, this is the worst yeah. place to be. We all know it. So yeah, yeah. either, you know, like this said in Shawshank, you know, get, get busy living or get, get busy dying in this case, you know, get busy winning or get busy tanking. For sure. <laughs> One <the> two. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So, yeah. So I liked it. Definitely uh, a still a good role player. The Pistons got him for nothing. Like uh, savingly Lee, let's talk about first, what the Pistons gave up. So Kelly was brought in, last season to provide some spacing for Cade, a little bit of spacing for Cade at the five, and also a little bit of offensive creation. Of course, he spent about half the season injured and never really got up to speed, whether it was before the injury or after the injury. And then there was Saban. And I went over Saban a few episodes ago. Uh, Just long story short, the guy doesn't have great functional athleticism at the NBA level, so not great at getting into the basket. He can't shoot and he gets punished hard for that. And he doesn't really do well at point guard things either, like setting up his teammates, running an offense. And he's undersized. So it was always a long shot. Yeah, Saban's,
1: yeah, the jump shot is just, it it just doesn't look right. And I think everything else you mentioned is pretty accurate and I would tend to agree with, but the jump shot is what will determine whether he can even hang around on a roster, I would say. Um, His athleticism is intriguing and I do get your point about the functionality of it. So I think, that raw athleticism alone could keep him around for a little bit, but yeah, if he can't find minutes on this Jazz roster this season, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the outlook's not looking great for Saban.
0: Yeah, I don't think the outlook could be even is going to look great, even if his jump shot comes along. I was a lot more confident for some reason after his first season, but even if the jump shot comes along, I mean, what I mean by his functional athleticism not being so great is that he's not really all that explosive at the NBA level, and also he doesn't elevate at the basket. He tends to score just from the floor for the most part, kind of in the mold of Tyrese Maxey, but without that like incredible quickness that lets Tyrese Maxey score through those tiniest of gaps from below the basket. And you know, you pair that together with the fact that Saban is, you know, he's not tall enough to play the to, to play a shooting guard. Guys about six two, yeah. And 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 also, he he's just doesn't have the passing assets, the basketball IQ on offense to really make it work as a guy who's running an offense. Yeah, I just don't see it, but. I think, you know, maybe if he gets a shot together, you know, maybe he sticks in the NBA as a third-string point guard.
1: I mean, I guess that's the case with the vast majority of second-round picks at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. There's most of them, obviously, they're all amazing prospects on a global scale. But in terms of the NBA, most of the second-round prospects, if they last more than their first contract there, they've probably exceeded expectations, I would say. 100%.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's it's something about 25% of second round picks actually make a career in the NBA. And the rest either do not make it, do not play a game in the NBA, or they're out within four years.
1: Yeah. If you ever go back and look back at previous drafts, yeah, there's so many names in there. You just go, oh, I remember them on draft night, but I don't think I ever saw them suit up. So yeah, I'm with you. Yeah,
0: definitely. And I just love thinking about this that these are guys who flunk out of the NBA. But it's like you said on a global scale, just in a vacuum, these guys are crazy basketball players. Like you Insane. see these guys kind of like out, yeah, out in a rec league court, they will stomp all over everyone, and they will look completely and utterly unstoppable. And that is how high, how obscenely high, the level of talent is in the NBA. That right. you have these amazing basketball players just flunking out, even guys like Saban who can crush the G League, just yeah, won't even make it in the NBA.
1: Forty on the regular, and then yeah, it's just a different, entirely different level.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah, and I think back, like uh, I was talking to uh, to a fellow I know recently who played in high school against some guys who went on to play at the University of Iowa. You know, D1 school, good school. You got to be real good to play in D1 basketball. Like at a Big Ten school, uh, those guys would never even sniff the G League. And yeah. the vast majority of guys in the G League will never sniff the NBA. That's how good it is. It's amazing how good the these The levels guys
1: are. to it are crazy. Like, yeah. yeah uh, it, it's, it's sort of yeah. mind-blowing a little bit when you break it down like that.
0: Oh yeah, it, it's just the the skill level is amazing. I got to watch Magic Johnson, uh, like old Magic Johnson play pickup once uh, because I, I used to live in the in the Lansing area. That's where I grew up and his mother still lived in the area. So the athletic club I would go to, he would drop by occasionally. And I mean, this was a guy who was like 15 years, probably past his NBA career. And I mean, you could just see that this guy was a, just, just a, a deity amongst mortals. I yeah. Mean, yeah. A friend of mine probably scored like 25 points in a game because he had the greatest point guard of all time feeding his basket pickup. <laughs> pick up. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's crazy. So, yeah, anyway, it's we're crazy. far off topic. All right, so <laughs> Boyan, so yeah, Saban's gone, Kelly's gone, and we got Boyan. So uh, let's go on to Boyan. You know, what is he as a player? So uh, why don't you take it away? So Boyan is,
1: the first thing that jumps out is obviously the perimeter shooting. This is catch and shoot, the late catch and shoot threat. Um, he can shoot off movement. Uh, he came off. Came off screens for the Jazz. Um, He can pull up in the mid-range. He's not bad at backing a smaller guy down in the post and shooting over the top. He's got sort of a a high release point, which helps him. I think he's about six foot eight as well. So he's someone who can get his shot off over most defenders and do it at a high percentage, which is important, clearly. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a little bit of playmaking in there but I don't think that's going to be something that you want him doing a lot but I think he can definitely create off the bounce for himself so I think and his around the rim stuff's okay and I think the one thing that jumped out to me with Boyan was sort of he sort of gets to the free throw line I mean four free throws attempts a game is sort of what he averaged across the past three seasons Doesn't isn't amazingly high but I also think that shows he can get to the line can draw some contact and I think ultimately what I my, the, the thing I loved with the Boyan addition, outside of just the obvious catch and shoot, three-point shooting was just, he can be that release valve for Cade or Ivy when they're sort of, if they're struggling or they just need a break on offense, like you can throw the ball to him. He can get you a shot. He can sort of get to the free throw line. He can he can sort of, he can can create some efficient offense, which is something this team struggled with for a while.
0: Yeah, definitely. needed the shooting. I mean, the, the shooting has been... My goodness, has the shooting ever not been a question mark for the Detroit Pistons? I don't know. And back in like two thousand
1: and eight, I'm trying. I just think every season I follow this team since twenty twelve, it's just like there's three point shooting. I'm sure yeah. there has been seasons it was above league average, but it just feels like it's always been the issue. And then any shooters we've had, it's like an undersized Wayne Ellington playing the three. <laughs> so you know what I mean? It's just so to have a six foot eight guy who can actually shoot. Yes, he has his defensive limitations, which we'll get into, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So space to four, great efficient offense. He's got the last two seasons shot about 40% on wide open threes. That's very good. Uh, I think the season before that, he shot around, oh goodness, like 50%. Of course, hardly anybody does that, but good shooter, solid form, knows where to be. He can, re- can relocate a little bit. You know, he can pump fake you and other, you know, if, if, he can, if he shoots it anyway, he's just going to sidestep and get a good shot. You know, it's, it's valuable. He does this on high volume. That's really what he primarily does these days is shoot threes. That's that's really what he's good for. They're only about 50% of his shots last season, but a valuable for a spacer You know, borderline elite three-point shooter, definitely. And and that's helpful. And like you said, he can create a little bit of offense as well. He's definitely good at attacking closeouts. He's shifty, kind of smart off the drive, and can also create a little bit in the pick and roll against mismatches. So it'd be a decent release valve there. Also, you know, just another good veteran to have on the team, definitely but the shooting key. Absolutely.
1: For sure. And just the addition of him as well, just now we finally have, like you've got Isaiah Livers, Sadiq Bey, and Boyan Bogdanovic now who are all, yes, they're wings with limitations, but they can all shoot it. And then I just like having that extra deep threat just really helps balance out the roster.
0: Yeah. A lot of people are going to hate hearing me say this, but it's like, it's kind of funny. They're all three guys who can shoot the three and have kind of below average athleticism, but we'll get to the, yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll get to the, uh, we'll get to the athleticism later. I'm just thinking of this, uh, this Sopranos quote, those you watch Sopranos where, uh, where uncle junior sees this courtroom sketch for himself and gets all pissed off. And Bobby's like, yeah, if it was a great, a great painter it'd be in a museum, the same thing. It's like with <laughs> Boyan, it's like, yeah, if you know, if you were like, you know, a great player, then you wouldn't have been gotten in exchange for Saban, Lee and Corey Joseph, excuse me, saving Lee and, uh, and Kelly O'Winnick. So, <laughs> no, and livers you. in the second round yeah so yeah so aside from the three-point shooting uh what do you see i know i mentioned a little bit his ability to create uh, off of closeouts and so on and so forth so what else are we going to see from on off on offense in your opinion
1: well i think i honestly think it's mainly centered around the shooting and his creation on offense like i think he averaged his playmaking like i said earlier i don't think it's something you want him doing in a high usage role is sort of creating for others i think he's well, the numbers will bear out. He's much better at just creating for himself. So I'm pretty sure those pick-and-roll numbers, the ones I saw, are mainly just him scoring out of the pick-and-roll, not necessarily facilitating. So I think primarily he's just going to be there to be that secondary or tertiary creator alongside Cade or someone you can mix-match in lineups to play alongside Killian and Jaden Ivey. And yeah, I think I'll be interested to see if... um, Utah didn't run a lot of stuff with handoffs. I'm interested to see if Casey tries to use him in handoff schemes, um, Mm -hmm. DHOs and that sort of thing. But, yeah, I think a lot of it's going to just be centred around his shooting and just the spacing he provides. I know he's an elite corner shooter, corner three-point shooter, so I think we'll see him base there a lot, maybe start Mm -hmm. the offense in the corner a lot. So, yeah, shooting, shooting, shooting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he shot 46% from the right corner last year. Yeah, so uh, excuse there you me, go. That, was, that was two seasons ago. Pardon me. I'm just looking at it. Uh, so last season, he shot 41% from the right corner and 40% from the west corner. And strong above the break, three-point shooter as well. Pretty much strong from everywhere. And uh, yeah, I agree. I'm likely to do a lot of attacking off the dribble and, and hasn't in a while. And, and definitely not a mid-range shooter. But yeah, a guy who can, in the right situation, is smart. I mean, Bojan's smart. And he knows when he can try to attack the basket. You know, whether if it's off a closeout, I mean, he can be surprisingly shifty in how he moves and get himself in the basket. Or occasionally he just can see a lane and knows he's up against somebody who's going to be too slow to get there on time. And then he can take it to the rim as well and score while jumping like nine inches off the ground. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, you've, you've got that as well. There's a little bit of versatility there, less than there used to be. But I guess, like I said, I mean, uh, he's 33 some guys like really really good players some of them do not decline when you get in your 30s but for the average player once you hit 30 you start to go into decline physically compared to the rest of the league whether it's the NBA miles on your body it's, or just that everybody's younger than you
1: it's funny with Boyan when you look at his just his career numbers he's mm-hmm. a rare player that seems to just when you look at the scoring numbers this is of course yeah. and the like it's his numbers have gotten better each season, really. apart He mm-hmm. had his probably his best season a couple of seasons ago with the Jazz, but yeah, yeah as a whole, his scoring has consistently sort of increased. So mm-hmm. I think offensively, I don't think there's any concern, any reason of to
0: think that he'll drop off offensively next season. Um, so Yeah, I would say. However, like you look at it and you look, and it's like how on earth did the Pistons manage to snag this guy who averaged 18 points per game last season in a playoff team? And then you look like is Bogdan uh, Bojan, excuse me, really like an 18 point per game score. And where I start to think, it's not where I start to think, I know this, how is he going to operate differently in a piston system versus the Jazz? Because Quinn Snyder, say what you will about him, he operated an extraordinarily efficient offense with the Jazz without like elite offensive personnel, aside from Donovan Mitchell. They were perennially like like a top three team, I think over at least the last three seasons in efficiency great ball movement just getting he got a Bojan got a lot of open shots and is he going to be able to do that with the Pistons how is it going to be different for him yeah so. for
1: sure that Jazz team can I think last season they were still the best offense based off advanced metrics I think they still finished with the best offense um so I definitely agree with you there it'll be interesting to see how much of that plays into Boyan's production offensively um and yeah, because Coach Casey, one of the things p- people have criticized him for is his lack of creativity on offense. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. If they're just going to pin him in the corner and just shoot threes. I don't know if you're maximizing Boyan doing that. I can't imagine that's what will happen. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they do run him off screens or just try and. One thing I'd like to see and is maybe use him as a screener. I know they did that with Sadiq Bey last season. Um, they'd sort of do a flare screen where Sadiq would set K to screen and then sort of scurry off to like above the break. Um, mm-hmm. And he got a few open looks from that. So, I mean, I think Boyan's got similar speed and quickness to Sadiq. They're not the quickest, but I think they can both sort of shoot over the top of people. So mm, mm-hmm. it be interesting. I definitely agree with you. it be interesting to see how Dwayne Casey implements Boyan.
0: Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot. I think we'll see him play pretty similarly to Sadiq basically. Uh, rather to how Sadiq was played in his rookie season. Uh, geez, that's even that's hard because Sadiq rarely did anything inside the arc in his rookie season. So what I think Boyan will do, he's gonna float a lot, a lot around the three point line, He'll just look for shots, and if somebody closes out on him, he's gonna attack the close I think that's basically gonna be his role. Uh I would not expect that he's gonna score eighteen points per game for the Pistons just be, both because they're gonna want to get that usage for other players, other younger players, and also just because he's not playing in Utah, you know, with a you know, with a world class regular season offense anymore. So I'd, I'd, no, I'd be satisfied with Boyan if we see like fourteen, like thirteen, fourteen points per game. I think I'd be happy with that.
1: Of course, and as long as the efficiency is still there, I feel like apart from that release valve bit of creation to help Cade out and the young ball handlers, like the main thing is the score, the shooting gravity. Like mm-hmm. he's he's going to warrant the defender to stick with him wherever he is on the court, on the perimeter that is. And I think that Absolutely. has a lot of value for this team because that ha- we haven't really had a player like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, aside, he and Alec Burks now are absolutely the best shooters on the team. Like, no, you know, no buts there, period. Like, Yeah, the Pistons, two guys, two veterans, the Pistons. I think, out of I think Livers can get Zelle there,
1: works. but we need to see yeah. more from Livers. He only played 19 games in a bit of summer league. So I, I think yeah. Livers' stroke is legit, but we need to see
0: more. Yeah, you believe in it. Gotcha. Yeah. But well, at this point, though. Yeah, so at least you got Burks and you've got Boyan on the team and those are really two high percentage three-point shooters which Pistons didn't really have last season. So, that's good to have. Leader for the Pistons last year in three-point percentage, the much reviled Corey Joseph. It would have been about 40% <laughs> if I remember correctly, but on very low volume. Well, not very low, but I think he made about one three per game. Yeah. I'm going to defend Corey Joseph from anybody who wants to criticize I, uh, criticize him for being in the starting lineup last season. He did his job.
1: Absolutely. I've no I think the Corey Joseph hates just a easy thing for people to jump on. On, on social media i think he played his role and it, i've i did a bit of research and as soon as he was alongside kate those two like uh, kate played really well with Corey alongside him and i don't mm-hmm. think that's just a fluke
0: no Corey was able to provide some secondary ball handling he's a veteran who knows what to do and basically he freed kate from needing to handle the ball on every single possession like is Corey a solid NBA starter no Corey's like at best an average nBA backup but he did his job, super hard worker, like consummate professional and leader and his teammates love
1: hey, so, It's, uh, it's yeah. funny. I'll just do a, a quick plug here. I'm doing an article at the moment on trade value, um, mm-hmm. just ranking all the Pistons players. And yeah, let me just say, Corey probably sits higher than a lot of people, a lot of Detroit fans would like. He's over it. He sits atop at <laughs> a couple of names that I know um, I have a valid argument for, but I know it's going to raise some uh, heated conversation.
0: <laughs> all right i'll look forward to it yeah all right so let's move on to boyan's negatives you know what would you say really sticks out to you i mean i know we're going to say the same thing as his defense I would imagine yeah it's, it's the one defense the of us.
1: Yeah. it's the defense and yeah i don't think he's um aloof defensively i think it's just a like a, it's a product of his age and he's never been the quickest guy so as you were saying i think he'll be 33 for this season maybe turning 34 potentially um yeah, the lack of speed, and not just like sort of up and down the court speed, it's the lateral speed, it's when someone mm-hmm. takes him to the basket, pump fakes, he doesn't have the ability to recover and contest a shot, you don't want Boyan defending on ball, um, and also one other thing I noticed is his rebounding wasn't great, so I'm not True. sure if you're going to play him at the four, yeah, I, I know we'll get into lineups later, but You're going to play him at the four. He doesn't really provide any rebounding. Definitely no No. room protection. And he's not really someone who's going to disrupt the passing lanes, even though he has a surprisingly long wingspan. Um, Mm -hmm. So, but for me, the main thing, the main thing that will be an issue is just the lack of speed
0: overall. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. Yeah. On defense, he is not quick. He does not have the greatest awareness. And did I mention that he's not quick? I mean, if, if if you if you set him up in isolation against a quick guard, he's going to get beaten. If he needs to rotate quickly, he's not going to get there in time. I mean, he's not Luka Garza slow by any means. I mean, this guy is just a minus defender. Like he's not a major liability, but he's a minus defender. And when people are talking about the Jazz and how they had awful perimeter defense in his last three playoffs, they're absolutely right. Boyam was one of the was one of the offenders. Like Royce O'Neal was one of them. Boyam was one of them. And Donovan Mitchell, who allowed himself to get turned into a turnstile, was the third one. So. Yeah, he's he can be a defensive, a defensive liability and that doesn't bother these Pistons who are trying to win, but it's definitely there. And the rebounding, yeah, he's a bad rebounder and he primarily plays power forward these days and he's a bad rebounder for it. Also, definitely not coming in to give weak side defense at the rim.
1: No, we're not getting <laughs> any of those Jeremy Grant weak side blocks out boy on. that's for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be shocked if we even saw one of them, to be honest. I'd be
1: but, interested to see yeah. maybe, uh, I haven't looked at any numbers or enough film, but if he takes charges at all, that could be. He could sort of take the Blake Griffin uh, approach to defense of trying to take charges to sort of offset the lack of rim protection. I don't know if that's any something he does. It's something I might look out for though.
0: Uh, yeah. That's. I, I. really don't know. I was in the process of of looking this up, but uh, I'll I'll continue to do that. Uh, while you while you're talking. So, yeah. So we got the slowness. Yeah, we got the bad rebounding. Uh, we got the slowness we got the bad defense and the slowness and uh <laughs> let's see what else so the slowness actually comes in to become a greater issue when we get to talking about lineups and i don't know i don't really have any other downsides to go over i mean i think that boyan is is a pretty good offensive role player we shouldn't not much should be expected of him on defense uh, yeah any, anything else yeah. to oh well, to look it, it sounds category?
1: like it sounds like yeah we look we're obviously talking about negatives um I don't think. I think it's just the, the speed and the defense. I think offensively there is some limitations. Like he can get to the basket, but I don't think it matters as much in the context of the piston offense, whether Boyan's going to get to the, he, whether he's getting into the teeth of defense and creating contact. I, I think you want him just shooting threes. So the main mm-hmm. negatives are definitely on the defensive end.
0: Yeah. All right. I can answer your question about charges. Uh, if you had to guess, how many charges would you say Boyan drew last year? Oh, I'll
1: say. I'm gonna say less than ten. Let's go with seven.
0: One. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. I, think I, <laughs> I think I heard somewhere as well he had one block shot last season. So there you go. There's all your interior protection. Defensive, you got one block shot and one charge taken for the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, don't don't expect too much about this guy. Just too much. Nobody should expect too much from this guy on defense, yeah. Even, even in the way of just contesting shots, like especially for power forward, not very good, not terrible. Like you said, he's got good wingspan. So, yeah. but you got to be in proper position to contest shots too, and that's not always going to be easy for him. All right. So, uh, the the poor athleticism, definitely. Uh, let's move on with that and discussion of the lineups because I know we discussed this when we talked about lineups. Man, this must have been back in I don't know July, June, yeah, July. around summer
1: late time. Yeah,
0: July, I think. Right. Yeah. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet in any football game. That's code TBPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting part in the NFL. But no major eligibility restrictions apply, see show notes for details. And also Raycon. If you listen to a lot of music, podcasts, or audiobooks, consider using Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. They've got optimized gel tips with a perfect in-ear fit, give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life, feature 3 customizable sound profiles and noise isolation, and best of all, cost only half the price of other premium brands. It's no wonder that they have over 50,000 star reviews. Go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. So the Pistons had had some issues last season in terms of fielding lineups that were not athletic enough, like starting out the season with Cade, Hayes, uh, Bay, Stewart, and Grant, where Grant was really the only above average NBA athlete and you had three below average NBA athlete. So I feel like when it comes to lineups, you have to think about that with Boyan so that you're not fielding a lineup that is going to you know, give us PTSD, like bas- you know, basketball PTSD, of course, sports fan PTSD, like that game against the Cavaliers early in the season when it looked like the Pistons were the Washington Generals against the Harlem Globetrotters in terms of how <laughs> slow they were. Yeah, that was ugly. It was real ugly. You mean
1: the first time they played the Cavs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he got blown out. I oh, it
0: was bad. One. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like that has to figure into into the lineups you put out there. But the first question would be: Do you think Boyan starts?
1: So to answer that, yes, I think I think he will start, but he's not in my ideal starting five.
0: But yeah. I think so I think
1: with just the nature of the contract situation, the age, uh, I, I I see him starting. It, it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Well, it makes sense in, in that capacity and in terms of how Dwayne Casey operates. I'm not so sure. I, I agree that it'll start, but let's go over what that starting lineup would look like. Of course, that would be Cade. And I think we can assume that Ivy's going to start at least at the beginning. Yeah. Unless he has like an awful, awful training camp and bad preseason. Even then, I think they would give it to him because yep. he's not a Killian Hayes-like player. So in that case, you have Cade, Ivy, Bay, Boyan, and Stewart. And I do not want to see that lineup. I knew you wouldn't want to say that. <laughs> but that's the that's the likely starting five I have at the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, everybody who's listening to the show for a while knows what my issues with that'll be. Uh, let's see. So you have the situation last season, like you have with Stewart, uh, which uh, excuse me, what you have with Stewart, and if you have Boyana power forward, you've got four issues. You have no strong role man. Stewart's a weak role man. Stewart has many so I'll establish this. I've established this before. Actually, Jack, you and I did an episode about Isaiah Stewart, and uh, I know we agreed about this, but I'll say it. I love Isaiah Stewart. I think he's going to be a valuable role player for the Pistons. Uh, I love his character. It's, you know, just like a, a great team guy, super hard worker. He has physical limitations. He is undersized, and he's a bad jumper. He's a bad role man. As a result, he's not a vertical spacer, and he is not a high percentage finisher. He finishes below the basket. And he was one of the worst in the league last season at finishing at his position in the restricted area. So that lineup, no vertical spacer, no strong roll man, uh, no strong finisher in the paint. Almost every team fields one of those guys who can do those three things, and, and this lineup will not have it for even you know, including for Cade, who operates in the high pick and roll. You also have below average athleticism on a lineup wide scale on both ends because you've got three below average NBA athletes and only one actually good one. So eh, this would hurt. I don't want to see it. So I've got my
1: glass half full approach is because I, everything you outline is pretty on point. I, I think that you, you could probably make an argument to some of the things, but I think you've everything you've said, the numbers back up most of it. And, but I think whilst, this isn't the starting five I'd like to see. If this is the starting five, my argument would be for it because ultimately, with this Pistons season, it's still about development. So, yeah. well, you know, we're, like there is play in buzz. I haven't watched any of the media day stuff, but I saw people saying the play in might have been mentioned. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're still we're still focused on development. Troy Weaver's sided next off next summer as the season to make a, a splash. So but for this starting five k ivy bay boyan Stu, i think you could go with a five out offense that relies heavily on stew um being able to hit threes which i think we both think he can do that yes from memory yeah so i think you'd be running a five out offense which helps alleviate a little bit that lack of that lack of vertical spacer it doesn't eliminate it, it does not yeah there's still going to be issues there but i think you run a five out offense that opens up lanes for Kaden Ivy to attack, you hope Jaden Ivy is going to cut. Um, and my, I think the rim protection. I like, if you're if you've got Bagley in the starting lineup, I don't think the rim protection it's not going to be great. But I don't think it's that much worse than if you put Bagley. Like Bagley is not a great rim protector either. No, so, so yeah. I, I don't think rim protection is much of an issue. Um, that is going to be any really noticeably worse. Um, my, yeah. I guess my main concern would probably be the rebounding. Like, yeah, rebound Stew's a decent, ugly. yeah, Stu's a decent rebounder. Bay's a decent rebounder. Cake yeah. can rebound, but none of them are like that six foot ten. Yeah, they just none of them have that huge frame to real. Like, if the other team's got a six foot ten plus guy, he's just going to wreak havoc, unless they all really box out and rebound yeah. as a team, which is a lot easier said than done. So the but, defense yeah. too, but yeah, I, I just
0: gotta say, but the defense is gonna be ugly, ugly, But ugly. I think I think
1: yeah. the defense is gonna be ugly if you have Bagley in there anyway. So I guess I'm looking mm-hmm. at from the standpoint of like, yes, this on a whole NBA with the context of it in an NBA frame of all 30 teams. Yeah, the defense is gonna be great, but with the alternative of starting Bagley, uh, I don't know. I think it's gonna be bad mm. anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think Bagley at least provides you with some more mobility and the ability to rotate. I mean, you never want to play him as a primary interior defender, but I feel like you're replacing Grant in that case with Boyana. So you've got Stewart who is very strong in most areas of defense, the three areas in which he's weak, lob defense uh, going up against guys who are just taller and more athletic than he is. Like we saw with white side last year and also just the help side defense in general. So, like basically, if, if anybody's coming from another direction, I mean, Stewart can't really rotate too well to block them just because he can't jump all that high and he's not an explosive mover. So I, I, I agree the defense is going to suffer no matter what compared to last year with Grant out. But Bagley at least provides you with some more mobility and height and, and the rebounding there. But yeah, yeah, it's just with... Yeah, I just go back to it. Like, yeah, I agree that a five-out offense isn't the worst thing in the world. At the same time... I mean, you look at the number of teams, and I'm not saying this in the context of, like, oh, everybody does it, so it must be the right thing. I'm saying this in the context of all these teams do it because just having that presence who can run the role at a high level, who can catch lobs, which is just a really nice thing and a really nice option to have, and can also, like, finish at a really high percentage, that's great to have. I mean, you look at the number of teams who don't have that. It's like the Bulls. They don't have it because of Vucevic, who he sucked last season. But Vucevic generally brings other things on top of that, you know, that that yeah. will. Compensate for him being able to do that. You have the Warriors who just don't need it. They just legitimately don't need it. They run the pick and roll less than anybody else. Uh, you have the Nuggets, and the Nuggets have Jokic, who is self-explanatory. <laughs> you know, yeah, any team will take Jokic over a guy who can a, do those he's things.
1: He's just a one-man,
0: uh, yeah. He's insane. <laughs> he's a more, he's one-man army. Yeah. He's. Yeah. he's uh, I'll say it again. I'll I'll never get tired of talking about Jokic. The guy does things <laughs> that should be that should be impossible. Like that should be genuinely impossible. And there are a few other teams. I can't remember uh, exactly off the top of my head. I was talking about this with somebody just the other day, but, but basically, oh yeah, the thunder, uh, they, depending on what they do with, uh, with Chet, I don't think they'll play him at center, whatever the case, it's just a super yeah. helpful thing to have. And we saw last season, like Bagley wasn't great, but we saw how much easier his life became, Cade's uh, life became simply by having a guy who could do those things. So I think based on that, like if Stewart can shoot, they're confident in a shooting. I would not be surprised if we still saw Bagley out there at starting a power forward.
1: Well, that's what I want to see. My ideal starting five is that Cade, Ivy Bay, Stu, and Bagley. I think that gives you the best of both worlds in terms of you yep. got that you got someone who can rim roll. Your rebounding is pretty strong because that's Bagley for all his holes on defense. He's a good defensive rebounder, and mm-hmm. Stew's a good defensive rebounder, especially when alongside someone like Bagley. Those two combined and then his shoes can space, stand in the corner and hit corner threes. Hmm. I, I, that's the starting five I like the most.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know neither of us are particularly high on Stewart at power forward. Like in this in this offense, he would be basically yep. playing power forward. And Bagley would be playing center, and then it would be reversed on the other end. Yeah. Uh, so this this would be kind of like, you know, the, the best, I agree, the best of both worlds for the Pistons right now. Not yeah, right actual, now. Not an, actual, yeah. not an actual good lineup in the context of the NBA, but I, I agree the best of both yeah. worlds, so. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely and a so
1: developing you, yeah. lineup, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and you replace a below average athlete in Bojan with an above average athlete in, in Bagley, and that will help you with your mobility concerns and also just people, you know, moving. Around. It's it's really nice to have a lineup that can at least run and jump as high as the opposition, you, uh, you know, if not higher, versus having bad athleticism yeah, overall and, I, and having run circles around you. Yeah.
1: I also like Boyan, and I know, like, I like also just like Boyan with Killian with Burks and Livers and then whether you're going to play Noel Durant off the bench. I know those five, we're going to do platoon five for five changes, but I like that backup five um, of the players I just mentioned. I think you got shooting, athleticism. I don't know, but I just, I like that as a a five man unit can come off the bench and really light up the scoreboard and keep the scoreboard pressure on.
0: Yeah. They, I mean, the Pistons signed Bagley to, to a three-year extension for a reason. I mean, they want this guy to get run. They they want this guy to develop. And I think he's going to have to be able to shoot no matter what. But, yeah, like you said, that's starting a lineup gets you the luxury of spreading the shooting around. Like, hopefully Bagley can shoot. You know, I'm confident Stewart will be able to shoot. I think Avi will be okay. I think Bagley will be okay. They'll will, will continue to be good, rather. I think Cade's going to improve a lot. So you got four shooters out there on Bagley playing center, basically rim roller, even if he can't shoot. And then on the bench, you've got – killian and who knows you got burks who's who's a good shooter you've got boyan who's a good shooter and then you've got out there either livers or hamadou and livers oh, is a good shooter about got, <laughs> yeah he's he's the he's the, the eternal wild card for me for the season like not the actual wild card but he would Manor fit would nicely
1: yeah he would fit nicely amongst those guys yeah shooting
0: yeah yeah but in that case you gotta you gotta kick somebody out of the lineup you know, it's either because you got you got basically six guys. there. are like Noel's presumably playing backup center. So in that case, you got six guys coming off the bench of between Hayes at Alec Burks, at Boyan, Livers, Noel, and Diola. So somebody's going to get bounced. There presumably somebody will be injured. So
1: yeah, yeah. I, I did want to one of the things I wanted to do this offseason. I haven't got around to it. Was go back and check how often Dwayne Casey utilized eleven or more players in a rotation mm. during a game because. I think that I think with the addition of Boyan, there's now twelve guys who foreseeably you could see registering minutes. Yeah, Duran's um, the twelfth. Duran, yeah, correct. And Hami would be the eleventh if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's something I wanted to quickly look into. Um, so I feel like we did see him use sometimes eleven guys, but yeah, I can't. I don't know how often.
0: Yeah, I don't think too often because starters tend to play fairly heavy minutes and in case he isn't the most agile in terms of managing his rotations, but yeah, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you find out. Uh, you know, I, I just think on, on a larger scale though, uh, Boyan deserves to be thought about in a certain way. Well, I guess there are questions like number one, will the Pistons be willing to sacrifice some time with Boyan on the floor, providing spacing for the sake of getting their young players more time. I mean, sure. This guy averaged 18 points per game last season playing you only played 31 minutes, but do you like cut him down to 25 minutes because you want those minutes to go to a younger player? And I think the answer is yes.
1: Yeah, I'll be with you on that. I, I don't think – sorry, how many minutes did you say played last season? 30, you played would 31. Have been over yeah. 31, yeah. So I think yeah. there'll be – I think he'll be around that 25 to 28, and like, yeah. especially in games where, you know, it's not a close game or we're not in contention to win. But I did want to – before we go, I did want to get your opinion on just the season expectations – Um, Mm -hmm. so where did you have where do you have the pistons slated at the moment does this does this trade because there's a lot of people talking about playing buzz and i just wanted to know where you sort of had the pistons slotted at the moment in the east if you've had the chance Uh, to do it
0: too many moving parts at this point i mean there are too many ifs like if everything goes right like ivy comes out the gate and he's strong uh stewart can shoot like bagway suddenly can shoot and it's like let's go one step further. I'm like, Oh my goodness, Hamadou can shoot, you know, and I'm suddenly like <laughs> burst in. I'm suddenly like big incandescent <laughs> with joy. Um, and it's like, it's like in that case, then uh, like, I don't think it's completely out. of. I don't think that Boyan really like boosts the Pistons a great deal. Uh, I think that he's going to be a useful role player for the Pistons. I also think that he's probably a temp. Like when you asked, when you said always, oh, you know, when he's going to turn 34, he's going to turn 34 just after the regular season ends. And there's the question of like, will he still be with the Pistons after the deadline? And I think that the answer is probably no. Uh, like mm. if the Pistons are really doing well, and he's, and he's a key part of that, and they're like making a march to the plans, then maybe. But you get to the plans, you're going to have to beat, you're probably not going to be better than 10th, in my opinion. Oh. And you're not, I, I'd be shocked if you're better than ninth. put it that way. You're going to well, have to win two games against good teams to get into the plans. Yeah, get so the playoffs, right? yeah.
1: I've got the top nine here, which i quickly just read off. It's Bucks, Celtics, 76ers, Toronto, Heat, Nets, Cavs, Hawks, Bulls. That's nine teams, so I don't think...
0: Yeah, oh, it's a strong conference. Like, exactly. Like really strong conference right now. Like, the so Bulls, like one good team is going to miss.
1: Yeah, like, I'm worried about the Bulls' trajectory, but in terms of them versus Detroit, like, the Bulls are a much more sound team. And then mm-hmm. the, the Maybes, who I... You know these teams could go either way. Nixon Washington, I really don't know yes. what to expect. I think they'll be mediocre, but they could have a couple of injuries and in tank, or I don't know. I could see them jumping up to maybe eighth. And then the teams I have us on par or better than are Charlotte, Orlando, Indiana. So okay. that puts Detroit in around that, yeah, eleventh to fifth, like yeah, around ten to eleven. So yeah, the teams will be competing with, in my opinion, the Nixon Washington, but
0: yeah. I'm, yeah, it's possible. Yeah, the Hornets really got. I mean, the the whole awful Miles Bridges situation yeah. was a big blow to them, like a big blow to them. And I think yeah. that had it happened like a few days earlier, then Duran would not be on this team because they would have kept that pick. I, I mean, know. I'm not saying yeah. like I'm not saying like you know, good thing it happened. I'm just oh, saying. Oh no, you're not. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, no. I know. I'm just saying that for the benefit of any you know, for anybody who might think otherwise, absolutely not. I mean, that is an awful, awful, terrible situation. Uh, and I think that yeah, it you know, for the, the outlook for the season when it comes to practical practical considerations. I mean, that's a big blow to the Hornets in terms of their hopes for the upcoming season.
1: Yeah, I have, I have don't really know what to expect at all because Gordon Haywood, he only plays half a season these days. He does play mm-hmm. a good 41 games, but most of the time he just can't last or he comes back and it's just injury after injury. So yeah, I don't know what to expect from them, but I think it will be a drop in the standings.
0: Yeah, so it could happen. It could happen. The Pistons could find themselves in tenth, even if there are a lot of injuries in ninth. Uh like you said it's gonna depend like the Wizards, can they get anything together? Can Beale stay healthy? Uh for the Knicks, like can Thibodeau pull his head out of his rear end and, and what <laughs> does Jalen Brunson do for them? And can RJ Barrett finally make a leap? And th- there are just a lot of moving parts. Like even Orlando Orlando's a mess, actually. One of a couple episodes ago, they've got like way too many ball handlers and just just a lot of rawness there. Yeah, so I think I- the Pistons will beat out them. Yeah.
1: I love Orlando's front line, but their guards, there's just so many ifs. Like, like I don't know what Suggs, if he can develop a three. Can Cole Anthony, like, learn to reign in his shot selection? RJ Hampton's yeah. going to probably want to roll. He's probably, I think he's entering near three now. Like, there's a lot of, like, Michael Fultz. I think I just saw he's yep. injured again. It's nah, just... he'll be back. It's just a okay. too. Okay. Well, yeah, he's someone who needs shots but can't really shoot, like, I don't know. Some people are high on the Magic, and then um, I just think they're going to be a bottom three team again. Yeah. I do like what they're building, but yeah.
0: I agree. Then you have Indiana, and uh, if they keep healed and they keep Turner, and Matherin does really well, and Halliburton is still himself, then who knows? Maybe they'll challenge, but I don't think so. so uh, yeah, so one final question, but yeah, I, I agree. The Pistons will have an outside shot at it. I think a lot of things will have to go right, uh, and then sure. they'll have to actually win two games, which... You know, that, that's also a tall order, too, against, against good teams. Who knows? Sure. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I would say, um, yeah, a lot of moving parts. But uh, final question to end it. I mean, uh, like I said, I think that Boyan is really a temp. Uh, do you think that – what do you think the probability is that he will still be on this team past the trade deadline? I will
1: say it's more likely he's moved at the deadline. Yeah. But it will depend solely on where we are in the standings. I think if yeah. we're a genuine playing chance, they won't move him. And I, I wouldn't want them to... I'd be happy for them to keep him on the roster, just even from an asset point of view. Like, I would I would like to see if this team, like you said, everything goes right or enough goes right and they're in genuine playoff uh, play-in contention, I would be happy for them to keep him on the roster. But if they're toiling in that bottom three again, I don't think... I think Troy Weaver will move him for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, at what point do you think Troy Weaver... Oh, I'll just go with the last question. Uh, I know I said that was the last one. At what point, if you're Troy Weaver... And, and like let's say you are 12th in the conference at the deadline do you pull the plug and just just say I we're think gonna he, go for the draft now
1: yeah I think you move him because you've got players like Hamadou um Livers needs minutes um mm-hmm. yeah there's young guys there that could use those development minutes because that's the thing yeah. with Boyan my initial reaction because I literally woke up and saw the trade so I, I initially tweeted my three reactions and one of them was oh Duran's gonna get more minutes now because KO's gone but Bogdanovich still sort of takes up, well, he's pretty much going to be played exclusively at the four, I think, which is takes up mm-hmm. a lot of front court minutes still. So I think you would probably move him to open up opportunities
0: for others. Yeah. I think that's just a major storyline to watch with Boyana It's just going to be the balancing act between getting him some minutes to help the Pistons score, help him space the four, but not taking too many minutes away from young players who have hopefully more of a future with the team. So, uh, all right. So this is Jack Kelly of Detroit Bad Boys. Jack, thank you again. Always a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Of course, Mark. Always love jumping on Talking Hoops with you, man. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely, man. All right. So, folks, thank you all for listening. Catch you in the next episode.